1963. So the song Never Grow Old sounds better and better since I'm going to be 50 this year. That's not part of the sermon. That's just a little tidbit about me. You'd have your Bibles open there to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're making our way through 1 Peter. Took a little break there at the holidays, and now we're back in chapter 2. And I want to ask just your, your first emotional reactions to the words that begin our text, be subject to. Submit yourself. What's, what's your first emotional reaction? No matter what it says after that, just the text is going to look at you and say, hey, you need to be subject to. What's your first emotional reaction to that request? Well, um, mine is, it, it just, you know, just makes me a little uncomfortable. I mean, submission, I mean, I, I just don't feel super positive about that. And maybe it's because as a, a young boy, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years old, you get into these wrestling ground play matches uh, or playground wrestling matches. And, um, sorry. Uh, and you get in these things, and if you're a young man, you know how these things, they always end the same way. There's no other ending. Somebody gets on top of one of the guys, or maybe it's a whole group, and they demand submission by their victim. And they say, they tell them, this is what you need to say. Say what? I give or mercy, right? You've got to say this, or I've now got you into some death lock, you know, and you have to submit in order to get out of the death lock. And I remember thinking, I'm just not going to give. There's some way, you know, out. But then when you're just about ready to pass out because he's got you in the sleeper hold, you know, you're like, mercy, you know, I give. And, and they let you out. So maybe submission in my mind when I think of that, it brings back bad memories of being pinned down in the playground. Or maybe submission makes me uncomfortable because I'm a, I'm a proud American. And I enjoy singing the Star Spangled Banner when you go to the, the games that you might attend. And I like the last line, or the land of the free and the home of the brave. So it's just freedom is in my cultural DNA. And so when you, when you come in with the word submission, it just immediately starts moving against the grain of the country that I was born in. Most likely, I'm uncomfortable because I'm a sinner. I have openly rebelled against the King of Kings. And I falsely and foolishly believe if just everyone and everything revolved around me, we'd all be better. And even though I know that's not true, I have to fight against that tendency to think, gosh, if if he or she or they would just do the things that, that I think are obvious, everybody should be seeing this and everything should just revolve around me. And so when I hear the word submit in my, in my fleshly DNA, it just rubs against me in the wrong direction. Well, whatever the reasons, usually when we come to the word submission in the Bible, it tends to make people squirm. And thankfully, this morning we have an excellent pastor, Peter is here with us this morning in the text, and he's personally struggled with the idea of submission, so he understands that struggle. 
And he's going to help us understand that submission is part of God's good design. The word he uses for the word submission in the Greek is hupotasso. And it's a military term. It's something that you might cry out as a commander. It's kind of like fall in line when, when, the, when the sergeant or your commander says, hey, everyone fall in line. Everybody understands that there's one person at the head of the line and then everybody falls into a formation. And so Peter is sta- standing before his first century congregation and saying, hey, men and women, there's going to be places in your life where you have to fall in line. You have to you have to submit there's going to be somebody who's in charge, and it's not going to be you at different points. And your role in these different areas are to fall in line. And so beginning here in chapter 2, verse 13, and extending through chapter 3, verse 8, Peter lists a series of relationships requiring this falling in line. And today's we'll be looking at be subject to every human institution or human authority. In verse 18, he shifts to servants, be subject to your masters. If you look at chapter 3, verse 1, then he says, likewise. So he's, he's continuing this theme that he began in chapter 2, submission. Likewise, wives, be subject to your husbands. And then in chapter 3, verse 7, you see he says, likewise, husbands, Honor your wives. And we'll talk about how a husband has to get up underneath his wife in a way that really is requiring submission in a way. We'll talk about that when we get there. And finally, in verse three of chapter three, verse eight, there's a general calls for submission because Peter's trying to to get this congregation to have unity, sympathy, love, tender heartedness and humility. And in order for a congregation to exhibit those kinds of character qualities, they're going to have to exhibit this one main character quality, and that is submission. So I want to turn our attention to Peter's opening comments concerning submission to human institutions and examine several aspects, and hopefully that can help us navigate forward in a right direction. First, I want to just take a look at the context for submission, or maybe better stated, the mindset. Well, it's helpful to have the right mindset. If you don't have the, the right mindset for the word submission, then, it's, then submitting is going to be much more difficult. So I, I want you to see how Peter is trying to help his congregation first before he gives any instructions to say, you, you must have the right mindset about your position. And then having that right mindset will then enable you to either lead in some cases or submit in this case. So first of all, in having the right mindset, it's helpful to be reminded that authority and submission are a good part of God's established order. That authority and submission are a good part of God's established order. There is authority and submission in the angelic realm. 1 Thessalonians 4. There's authority and submission in the redeemed in heaven. Luke chapter 19. There's authority and submission in the trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 11 and other places. So authority, submission and authority are not a result of the fall. It's not like, oh, man, we, did, we had real perfect freedom, and then Adam and Eve blew it up for all of us, and because of that, we've got to have this submission and authority thing. No, 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 no. 
It's like work is a good part of God's design. That's not work isn't bad. Work is a good part of God's design. Authority and submission is a good part of God's design. It's not a result of the fall. So think submission when you hear the word. This is a good thing. This is not something to run away from or saying, ah, this is just the consequences of the fall. Second, your new heavenly position prepares you for submission. Your, your new heavenly position prepares you for submission. Now, it's, let's look back, chapter 1, verse 13, because this is where Peter's sort of laying the groundwork so that when you arrive at chapter 2, verse 13, you understand that you've, you've arrived with a particular position. Chapter 1, verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Just, just take a deep breath and absorb that one opening sentence by Peter. Blessed be God that according to his great mercy, he has caused you to be born again into a living hope. That's the great news. See, you were dead. You weren't wandering around looking for the right thing. You were dead. You're not wandering any, any direction other than down. And in God's great mercy, not because of anything that you and I did, he came and he followed after us. And he pulled us out. And he gave us this living hope. And not only did he give us this living hope, he, he continues to say, Peter says, to receive an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. So now, chapter 2, verse 9, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. See, Peter's trying to solidify in our minds our unearned, glorious, fixed, and eternal status as children of God Almighty. And that as children of God Almighty, we actually share in His eternal and endless wealth. It's incredible. He's trying to solidify that in our minds so that when we get to these more difficult parts like submission, you've got that firmly established, what is your position before God? You have to really have that nailed down in your mind. And Peter understands that. It has to really permeate your mindset. And so that mindset is one that we're taking into this verse. And so as citizens, as servants, as spouses, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we, we can serve rather than be served precisely because we know that we've been given more than we could possibly ask or imagine. Does that make sense? That's, that's such a helpful mindset that you start in this beginning part and you understand you've been given and it's eternally secure forever, an endless and glorious hope and inheritance, right? You've got that is absolutely positively God's promise. He's going to fulfill it. It is yours. It cannot be changed. 
So then when I take that and I come over here to the world, that is absolutely secure. I know that's completely secure. So when I come into this world, whatever kind of relationships I may have to get into, and I will have to be into them, whether I'm leading, whether I'm submitting, whether I'm walking alongside, nobody or nothing can change that status. And so I can come over here and say, hey, you know, I may have to be a servant. It's okay. It's okay. Why? Man, I have an inheritance that is imperishable, unfading, and I don't even have to keep it. God is keeping it for me in heaven. So this little mist of time where I'm having to submit or serve, it's just such a brief moment. And I'm totally satisfied in this so I can lovingly enter in and serve rather than be served. You see that, how helpful that is? You must have the right mindset, because if you don't have the right mindset, you'll get into this role over here, and it'll be much more difficult. Maybe impossible, but it'll certainly be much more difficult if we don't start with the right mindset. And Peter is trying to solidify that mindset for us. Peter is well aware that if you are insecure about your position, it's difficult to submit. Peter himself is well aware. If you're emotionally insecure about who you are or your position, it's going to be very difficult to submit. How does Peter know this? (laughs) Peter had firsthand experience. It, It couldn't, I don't think, ever be very far from Peter's mind. That on Jesus' last day on the planet, in, in this one form, he and the disciples are gathered for this one last supper. And it's this last supper and there's a certain tension, there's a certain uh, sense in the room that something's different here because Jesus is really looking us at, uh, at us in the eyes. He's really telling us how much he loves us and, and how much he cares about us and what he's beginning to feel at this moment. And there's a, there's a certain heaviness at this moment, at this Last Supper. And it's Jesus and his 12 friends. And just as Jesus is expressing all this emotional energy to his friends, uh, an old argument breaks out amongst his friends. Right at that moment, hey, who's going to be the greatest in this room? And they start arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And in a verbal way, do you see what they're doing? They're like young boys in the playground. They're grabbing each other and saying, no, 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 I'm on top. You've got to give to me. I've got to be the person on top of you. You have to submit to me. Imagine that kind of sort of um, adolescent brawl going on at this, this of all moments. This is the moment they choose to have this argument. Have you ever been a parent just going, okay, kids, let's, let's have this argument, but not right now because I'm going to hurt somebody. You know, you ever feel that way? I, I mean, I've never as a parent, I know other parents have come to me and had that feeling. But of all moments, this is when it breaks out. And you know what? You, you remember what happens in the middle of this 
argument amongst these adolescent men emotionally, what does Jesus do? He stops the conversation that he's having. He walks over, he grabs a towel and a bowl, pitcher of water. And the king of kings, God in the flesh, he gets down, he washes every man's feet as if to say, hey, I give. I give for you. It's an incredible moment. So Peter understands being insecure about your position makes it difficult to submit. But the only secure person in that room decided he could submit. Do you see what happened there? Jesus was completely secure about his relationship with God. So whatever it cost... He could go do it for other people because this could never be touched by human hands. And that enabled him. He had the right mindset. And he's instilling into Peter and these other disciples, you have to have this kind of mindset. Guys, I'm going to ask you to do some things that are going to be very difficult. And you've got to be rock solid on this mindset before you can come over here and really submit. You remember when we were going through John, the Gospel of John, we got to chapter 21. It's kind of like a little epilogue. And really it's an epilogue to say this is what happened to Peter because he had ended badly in John. Well, they ended badly, period, but in John. And John wants to sort of capture what happened with Peter. So in John 21, there's this one more conversation Jesus has with Peter. And you remember Jesus says to Peter three times, Peter. Are you rock solid on, do you love me? Do you have this down? Because you're going to be the first leader of the church, Peter. You're going to be the man first out of the gate. You're going to be the one who stands up with the 11 and proclaims the gospel. And I've got to have you rock solid that you really love me. You're not afraid of man anymore. No matter what the position you may be put in. Peter, do you love me? And what does he say? Yes, I do. Three times, yes. And then Jesus says this to Peter. Okay, Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you, and they will lead you to where where you don't want to go. See, Peter, you're going to be the leader. And when you come over into this world, what it's going to look leading in this world is going to look like being led by other people to places you don't want to go. How can you go to places that other people are taking you that you don't want to go? How can you do it? You're rock solid on what you have in Christ. That's the only way you can do it. And see, all of us are going to be in places where we're going to have to line up underneath someone. And they're going to make a decision and you're going to say, I don't want to go there. And they're going to hear, maybe, or not hear and say, too bad, we're going that way anyway. Well, how can you go be led to a place you don't want to go? How can you get in that place? Only if you're really got the right 
mindset. And Peter's trying to instill that in his hearers to understand you've got to have that down before we move forward. Now, I think that's the most important point here. And that's not even in our text. That's really the background to the text. But I think that alone will help you make movement in the right direction if you're like me and you struggle with just the idea of submission. So let's let's just ask ourselves just for a moment, do I have the right mindset? What where where does that mindset need to change and it'll be it'll enable me to submit and in a healthier, more godly way. Second, the extent of submission. Verse 13, be subject to every human institution or every human. It's not talking about a building. It's talking about a person that maybe represents something larger. But every human authority. And then verse 17, honor everyone. And, and Peter has outlined several places where Submission is required, but I think he's trying to help us understand in these two phrases that there should be an overarching character about a Christian that is submissive. A a willingness to serve. That, that, That should just sort of permeate. Forget about the relationships right now. He's just trying to say, hey, you should have a general disposition. If you're serving this kind of king, your general disposition is, how can I get up underneath somebody? How can I serve? That should be the general character, the general tone, the general feel of every every Christian. You, you're, never, you're never allowed as a Christian to look down on people. You're required to get down and get up underneath people. And even you see it in leadership qualifications, which we'll take a look at later. First Peter chapter five, verse two, he gives qualifications for elders. These are the people who are leading the church. This is, Peter is an elder. He says as he himself as a fellow elder. And he says, guys, you're going to have to exercise oversight. You're going to have to be overseeing a group of people. And then as if to qualify, so he makes sure his elders and his congregation understand what he means. He says, not dominating over those you are in charge, but being an example. So you're going to have to offer oversight, but I don't want it to be in a dominating way. I want it to be as, as an example. You're showing people how to move towards Christ. You're not demanding that they are. Big difference in the way you approach your leadership. And as I just thought about what that maybe looked like in an illustration, I I, I hope you've done this if you have a daughter. That as a dad and your daughter gets to be, you know, three, four, five, six years old. I know you've done this. You say, hey, let's dance. Right. And you take your daughter and what does she do? She puts her foot on one of your feet and her other foot. On your other foot, and then you grab them and you move around the room, right? So you're dancing, your daughter's laughing, and oh, it's such a great moment. It's really a great moment. Even if your daughter's 19 like mine, it's still great. And so you just take them and you're moving. You're, they're on your feet, but you're moving. You're having the greatest time. What a great picture. I'm her dad. I'm completely secure in my position as her dad. So she can step on my feet. I can get up underneath her 
And I can dance her, no matter how heavy or how difficult it is, to Jesus. I'm not insecure about my position before God. I'm well aware of that. And so I can carry somebody to Jesus. Now, it gets a lot more difficult when it's a boss or a president or somebody else that you really don't like. But the same picture holds is it's okay because you're completely secure in who you are, that you can get your feet stepped on. And instead of saying, hey, get off my feet, buddy, let's do something. You say, okay, look. Okay, I'm just going to, it's going to be a little slower, but I'm going to carry you. I'm going to keep carrying you in the right direction. And it's okay because I'm completely secure about who I am as a dad. Isn't that what happens in the gospel even? Isn't that the gospel? You think you're making progress towards Christ, right? And then as you get mature, you say, you know what? I wasn't really even doing anything. I was just standing on his feet. He was doing all the work. And that's why in the end, all the glory goes to God. Well, so that's that's the the overarching sort of character of a Christian is one who's who's trying to get up underneath people. That's the that's the character of a Christian. The extent of submission, we saw that the then Peter offers this warning in verse 16. Let's look at that together. Verse 16, live as people who are free. But don't use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Instead, you are living as a servant of God. So there's a warning here about freedom. Paul, the Apostle Paul and Peter recognize that there's a way in which Christian freedom can be abused. So when they start talking about freedom, sort of right on the heels of the freedom that they're talking about, they shoot this warning shot to say, hey, let's make sure you understand that the freedom isn't unlimited in a, in a certain way. In Romans 5, Paul says, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. What a great verse. Man, what a great verse. You know, it doesn't matter how much you sin, God's grace is always wider than that. That is just the greatest news. Amen? But Paul understands you can hear that. Oh, you mean no matter what I do, God's grace is always bigger. Yes, then it doesn't matter what I do. No, that's not what I'm saying. You see what I'm saying? You can take the freedom and then begin to abuse it to say, well, God's grace is going to cover it. So I just go ahead and do whatever I want to do. No, that's not what Paul's saying. That's an abuse of the freedom. And that's exactly what Peter is saying in this Verse 16, live as people who are free. And you can hear someone in, in Peter's first century congregation who's, who's oppressed. They're in a minority. And they're saying, yes, I'm free. I, I'm finally part of this holy nation. And I, I no longer have to be submissive to the government or my boss or my spouse. I can do whatever I want. And Peter wants to rein that kind of thinking in. No, you can't use your freedom as a cover for evil. Yes, you are free. You're, you're free of condemnation. You're free of Satan's power. You're, you're free of bondage. You're, you're free of the power of death. Yet, freedom is not defined as doing whatever you want. Real freedom is the ability to do what's right. Freedom isn't defined by doing whatever you want to do. Freedom is having the freedom to do what's right. And Peter wants to underscore that. 
final point here, and not really a point in the text, but a point in every conversation when you talk about submission, especially to human authorities, are exceptions to that submission. A lot of times when I get into discussions like this, about a text like this with somebody else, they might say, well, yeah, I hear that, but. And somehow, I don't know, it's in the human nature to look for a loophole, isn't it? Just your first thing is, okay, first let's identify the loopholes. Because I'm probably going to jump through a lot of these loopholes. So the first thing to do is identify the loopholes. And that's really not the nature of the, con- con- the conversation here. Is, no, there's a, a principled statement. And yes, there may be a loophole. But at least in this text, Peter doesn't offer any loopholes. I can't see it in the text. Be subject to every human institution. But we know, as Bible students, that Peter didn't even obey this particular command himself. Right? Acts chapter 4, he gets called before the uh, leaders. And it's him and John. Hey, guys, no more preaching. I mean, we don't really care what you do. Just we don't, we don't want you to mention Jesus. You're done with the preaching circuit. And then they respond back to their leaders. Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. But for us, here's the exception. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. So Peter takes an exception when God's involved. We know from the book of Daniel, in the Old Testament, Daniel took an exception. We know from history, Dietrich Bonhoeffer took an exception. Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King took an exception. I can't tell you where all the exceptions may or may not be. I can't tell you if you're ever going to have to take an exception. The world can throw some very strange situations to you that get very complicated, as you might imagine, just from those people I mentioned. The general position is submission. But it's possible, especially those here who are younger, you could eventually be in a place that an exception might be needed. I don't know. I want to just close with uh, Peter's great prayer. When he's out in the wind and the waves, he begins to focus on the wind and the waves. Remember what happens? Start sinking. Shortest, probably most powerful prayer in the Bible. Lord, save me. I mean, that's all that's all the time you have from your feet to your lips when you're sinking. You know, Lord, believe. So let's pray that together. Lord, save us.